Welcome to the Big Sky Astrology Podcast with April Elliott Kent and me, producer and co-host Jen Brown. Hey friends, Jen here. Today is February 10th, 2020, and as always, with me is my galactic gal pal, astrologer April Elliott Kent. Hey April. Hello, Jen. People don't realize this, but I never know quite how you're going to introduce me, and it's always a surprise. (laughs) I'm your galactic gal pal. That's fantastic. Because Galentine's Day is coming (laughs) up this week. Did you used to watch Parks and Rec? I did, but I have to say I don't remember that. Yeah, it was season two. Leslie Nope hung out with her friends. I think they had brunch the day before Valentine's Day, and they called it Galentine's Day. And it's just kind of a day that you hang out with your gal pals. I like it. And if only you were in. San Diego, I'd take you out for a lavish Mexican brunch. Que bueno. Que bueno, indeed. That sounds awesome. So Valentine's Day is definitely coming up, and it's such a funny holiday because when you look up the origin of St. Valentine, and I think there are a couple, and both martyrs killed in horrible ways. It doesn't sound terribly romantic, does it? No. And when I was reading about it, it was first associated with romantic love in the poetry of Geoffrey Chaucer in the 14th century. And that was when there was the tradition of courtly love. Not Courtney love, but courtly love. Thank you for referencing something from the 90s so early in the show. I appreciate it. We have to. We'll get back to the 70s eventually. And went back to the 14th century. So remember last week we were talking about Venus and Aries and that courtly love. Right. I thought that was a nice connection to find this week. The astrology of Valentine's Day this year. You were kind of making a face. Not so good. Well, the moon is in Scorpio that day. That's a passionate sign. Okay. We wouldn't say it's a super hearts and flowers, sweet, romantic sign, but it's passionate and it favors intensely emotional connections. Venus is square the lunar nodes the day before in the evening here in San Diego, a little after 5 p.m. So Venus is in Aries, of course, as we talked about, and the lunar nodes are continuing their journey through Cancer and Capricorn. And the vision that I was getting was one of, say, a young woman, Venus in Aries, setting out in her own direction, on her own path. Hmm. And that sets her at odds with her family, which is represented by the North Node in Cancer. I see. With maybe the mores of society, that's the South Node in Capricorn. And we talked about the lunar nodes on episode seven. Mm. When we talked about eclipses, we talked about the nodes. Yeah, so the moon in Scorpio trines the moon's north node Ah. on Valentine's Day. But it is at odds with Venus. It's quincunx Venus. So the total image I was getting for Valentine's Day was, well, you can stay home cuddly and safe which is what the moon in Scorpio with the Cancer North Node really want. They're both water signs, Mm -hmm. and they like to stay close to home and cuddle and be close, possibly. With Scorpio, there's a little more of a passionate element to it. And if you're already with a mate, a partner that you're really happy with, that can be really great. Mm -hmm. But what it doesn't really favor for Valentine's Day is if you're, you want to be out looking for love, let's say for true love, because The moon in Scorpio is at odds with that Venus in Aries. And the Venus in Aries says, get out and find a new kind of a partner or go out and make your own luck in this area of your life, I guess. Hmm. So if you are not willing to leave the house, that's not very likely to happen. I've talked to a lot of clients over the years 
who are looking for a relationship and they'll come to me to find out when it's likely that they'll find a partner. Mm -hmm. And I'll look at their chart and I'll kind of lay out all the transits of the progressions. And what I always have to say to them is, you can have the best astrology in the world. And if you don't leave the house, you're not going to find love. (laughs) (laughs) So Uh that to me is the bottom line of this Valentine's Day. If you're not with someone, the idea is to celebrate love. So I love your idea of Valentine's Day. Get out with the people that you do have in your life that care about you and that you care about and get out and celebrate love. Celebrate your connections with other people. It doesn't have to all be that intense, intimate moon and Scorpio stuff. Mm -hmm. Some relationships are that way. But this Valentine's Day, it's just as good to get out and celebrate Venus and Aries. Celebrate who you are. Celebrate that you're moving in your own direction in life. And I always tell clients that to the extent that they're able to do that, to the extent that they're living the life that feels authentic to them, that's when they're going to connect with the right partner. In this configuration on Valentine's Day, we have Venus is at eight degrees of Aries, then the nodes are at eight degrees of Cancer and Capricorn. And so the cardinal point that's missing in that configuration is eight degrees Libra, because these are all the cardinal signs. And the Sabian symbol on that degree is a really interesting one. It's a blazing fireplace in a deserted home. That's what's missing in this configuration on Valentine's Day. Mm -hmm. The way I'm reading it is, again, it's the young woman is the Venus in Aries who has to go out and blaze her own path in contradiction of what feels safe and familiar and what society expects from her. To the extent that she's able to do that, then she's moving in the direction of that missing image which is the blazing fireplace in the home. Yeah. Something cozy and warm. It's like a table missing a leg. Yeah. And that is the nature of the leg that's missing Yeah, at this Valentine's Day. So if someone has a planet or a point at eight degrees of Libra, what would you say about that then? To me, it's one of the lovelier Sabian symbol images. Mm-hmm. It says generally this is a person who is good at creating a lovely atmosphere in the home. Right? Yeah. That's how I look at that one. But in general, when you have those three points anytime and they're making that T square to each other is what it's called, right? Right. It's always sort of that fourth leg that's missing. And that is what's being sought or needs to be provided. Okay. Yeah. It's the missing link. It's the phantom limb. If you're from a family like mine that had four siblings and then you lose one, Mm -hmm. they're always there like a phantom leg that's missing from the table that supports the whole structure. Yeah, That's how I read those. And we'll very often find if in your birth chart you have one of these configurations, a T-square, and there's a point that's missing, you will find people in your life that will fill in that point. Yeah. Uh-huh. Over and over again, you see it. It's interesting. Because those people, and this goes back to what we were talking about last week, those people represent that point in your chart that's missing. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. And you're trying to learn from them. You sense that they will complete you in some way, Mm -hmm. not always the most harmonious way, because it introduces an element that's unfamiliar, and that means adjustment for everybody. But it also is an opportunity to learn what is missing within ourselves through another person. And is it because that person specifically has planets at that point? Usually, yes. Or within a couple of degrees, a few degrees. Yeah. So it can be any one of the planets. It might be the ascendant or descendant or the midheaven. Hmm. 
So specifically with Venus squaring the nodes, I was thinking more along the lines of that you would follow the path with heart. Yes, but it's in contradiction to the nodes. Because she's squaring. Is that what you mean? Right. It says, this is the existing polarity that's holding sway in my life. It's Cancer and Capricorn. It's my family. It's society. All these important issues we've been grappling with while the nodes have been in those signs. To be our own person and to claim our identity and our place in the world, which is what Venus and Aries wants to do, often means we have to stand apart from what's familiar and what's expected. And it doesn't mean that's not a good thing. It just means that there is that moment if you're leaving home to go to college far away or something, or going into a profession that your family's a little dubious about, which would be the Capricorn part. Right. That's the essential nature of Aries, is to be the pioneer, which means they have to stand apart from what's familiar and expected. Okay. I was thinking about Neptune in Pisces. Would the moon be trining Neptune? I don't know if it is exactly on that day. It's certainly in a sign that it's leading in that direction. Because I thought that felt like unconditional love, which felt kind of nice for Valentine's Day. It can be. It's the moon in Scorpio. So the way I would read that one is, once you earn Scorpio's trust, then you have unconditional love. Then you have loyalty. Mm-hmm. But until you do... <laughs> Not so much. (laughs) So for that particular day and for that moon sign, it is a good time for staying at home and being with the ones that you trust and you love. Yeah. But if you're not currently in a relationship, then it's not like it's going to be a super romantic Valentine's Day where you're going to go out and meet somebody at some party or something necessarily. Okay. I don't know. What do people do on Valentine's Day? We've both been married a thousand years. Yeah. And you and Johnny aren't into doing stuff now. Oh, gosh, no. However, we did get engaged on Valentine's Day. Oh, are you going to celebrate that? No, it was a fluke. (laughs) You love it when I do that when I say no. No, it was a total fluke. We got engaged on Valentine's Day. We were living in different cities. And that's the first chance we had to get together in a couple of weeks. He came to my house and we'd got Chinese food and we just started talking about, well, when we get married, well, nobody got on a knee. Yeah. It was just practically speaking, this is what we're going to do. So we're the most unlikely people in the world to get engaged to be married on Valentine's Day. There were no diamonds. I think there was champagne, but that's because that goes really well with Chinese food. It wasn't a super romantic (laughs) thing. If you say so. Yeah, well. So that's Valentine's Day. I think we've done that one to death. Yeah, I think we have. What else is happening with the moon this week? (gasps) You know what time it is, Jen. What time is it? It's time for Moon Watch. It's a last quarter moon this week at 2641 of Scorpio on February 15th at about 2.17 p.m. my time, Pacific time. That puts it just after four in the afternoon, Jen's time. We're at the last critical moment in this lunar cycle that began back on January 24th with the new moon in Aquarius. Then we had the first quarter moon in Taurus, and we talked about the baggage and all of that. Last week, we had the full moon and that delightful Sabian symbol, intoxicated chickens. That's right. Which I thought was great fun. And this is the last critical moment in the lunar cycle, the last quarter moon. When we take a look back at what we've been doing all month Mm -hmm. and we say, is it enough? Have I accomplished everything I wanted to accomplish? When we started out at the new moon in Aquarius, it was very much about taking the advice. The Sabian symbol was the council of ancestors and deciding in some important way 
Not just what do I want to do this year, as we all often think about this time of year, but what do I want to do with my life? What's the legacy that I want to leave behind? Mm -hmm. Perhaps we've all been thinking in the back of our minds about that over the last few weeks. The last quarter moon is always that poignant moment in a lunar cycle where we doubt ourselves, where we say, oh, I don't know if I've done quite enough. I could have done it better. or I could have done more. But remember, we're at a point in the cycle where there's still time to make a shift. Yeah. There's still time to adjust. It's not too late. Yeah, it's not totally too late. So that is where we had the last quarter moon. And I always think of it as being like a moment of childbirth (laughs) where you can't go back now. Something's coming. Something's coming. And you may not be really looking forward to the whole experience, but it's the only way forward. It's the only way. Yeah. That's where we are always at the last quarter moon. This one is on a Sabian symbol that gives me a little bit of pause, which is a military band on the march. Mm. That's the symbol for 27 degrees of Scorpio. Military. Yeah. Well, again, we have to think of the Sabian symbols not necessarily in a totally literal way. That's where they used to stop me in my tracks because I would look at something like that and go, I cannot make heads or tails of that. But you know what I think of when I think of that is precision, beauty, and then you throw the military part in there and it's more about strength than a show of force. Mm -hmm. And organization as well. Yeah. So perhaps the things, again, we started on a new moon in Aquarius, which is suited to group action. Right. So this is a military band. This is a group of people working together in an organized way and efficiently as one. Mm -hmm. So this can be that at the new moon, you initiated building a team for some particular project. And now at the last quarter moon, you're firing on all cylinders. You're starting to work together well as a team. And on the march says, okay, we're going to deploy. We've got to get out there and start really doing things. Okay. The sun would be on 27 Aquarius. The last quarter moon, we're looking at the square between the sun and the moon. 27 Aquarius is an ancient pottery bowl filled with violets. Uh, Sit with that image. It's really lovely. Fragility. Fragility. And I think the ancient part is important as well. Yeah, for sure. It takes us back to that council of ancestors. Here is a vessel of knowledge, perhaps, a container that's been handed down over the generations. And as you say, it's fragile. It's not just the violets that are fragile. Right. I noticed him watching... Look what I'm going to do here. I'm going to pivot in watching the repair shop. Oh, boy. (laughs) It's been so long. It's been, I want to say, at least two episodes since you mentioned the repair shop. I've run out of episodes because they only have two seasons on Netflix. But I would feel really protective of Kirsten, who's the pottery person. Mm. I felt she was being underutilized. They were not bringing her enough projects. And when I thought about it, I thought, Well, it's probably relatively rare because she works with pottery and ceramics. I thought, well, it's probably just rare to get things that have made it intact. Sure. That makes sense. Yeah. Pottery is relatively fragile. Yeah. And so are the violets. Mm -hmm. So that's where the sun is. And yet square that is this very strong, forceful symbol, a military band on the march. 
So I don't know exactly how to bring those two together, but I thought it was an interesting contrast. Well, I think they have an interesting tie because they're both beautiful, but in very different ways. Very different ways. There is a beauty to precision, which our Mars and Virgo totally get. And I guess I'm thinking more about just marching bands in general, which I mm. get that the whole military piece is important in the Sabian symbol. But when you think about marching bands, there's such a beauty to that. Mm -hmm. Then you throw in the military undercurrent. We can think of the military as a protective symbol as well. Yeah, protective. Sure. Well, since we're talking about the military band on the march. Does it remind you of something else? Well, Mars is entering Capricorn this week on February 16th. Mars is the military planet, right? It's the planet of action, drive, assertiveness, aggression. And it is exalted in Capricorn. It's one of its very best signs. And that's because Capricorn directs the passionate physical energy of Mars in a disciplined direction mm. and a productive direction. Okay. It'll be in Capricorn through March 30th. So we have a little time to play with this one. All things being equal, and they're not because we'll talk about Mercury retrograde in a moment, but all things being equal, it would be a great time for initiating work projects, things that really take a lot of drive and discipline and focus. Because that's what Mars and Capricorn's really good at. Yeah. Just look at your chart and take a look at which is the house that has Capricorn. Where's Capricorn in your chart, Jen? Second and third house. So it's about taking some kind of structured, disciplined, directed action in the area of your physical and financial resources and also the way you're communicating things. Nice. It could be tackling some paperwork and be getting your stuff ready for tax season. It can be as simple as that. Does Mars stir up the other Capricorn planets since he's entering that sign? There's been so much energy with Saturn and Pluto and now Jupiter in Capricorn. And as he passes over the degrees from January over the next six weeks, does he get those planets all worked up? I was conveniently overlooking that, wasn't I? Yes. Because it started with Pluto. Yeah. It started with Pluto in 2008, going into Capricorn, coming through like Sherman on his way to the sea, just cutting and burning and having a really destructive influence in that area. Then Saturn came along at the end of 2017. That's a rebuilding planet. Let's make a new structure here where there's just scorched earth and a meteor crater in the middle of your chart. Let's come and build something new. Right. Then Jupiter came in. Jupiter says, and there's a good reason for it all. Let's create something that makes sense, that has a larger purpose. And now... Now comes Mars. Yeah. What does Mars bring to the party? Mars is deploying the troops. Mars is putting together the building crew and supervising that and wielding the power tools and the hammer and getting the stuff Done. Getting it built. Mm -hmm. The military band on the march. But the thing is, when Mars is going through Capricorn, generally we do use our physical resources a little more wisely. Just instinctively we do. We implement a plan mm -hmm. and go after it step by step. Oddly, what this is all making me think of, April, is... I know one of the big transits of 2020 is the Jupiter-Neptune sextile. Mm -hmm. I was looking for a point in the zodiac where something positive and spiritual that lifts up other people comes through. And it made me think of the Jupiter-Neptune sextile. Yeah, Jupiter is in Capricorn. So it's like the solution is found within the problem. You can't find the solution outside the problem. You have to find what is useful and helpful 
in any given current situation. Mm -hmm. And that is the point of hope. I mean, that's where Jupiter's going to be hanging out. And it's interesting that you pick out the sextile to Neptune because the sextile isn't the most dramatic aspect that we're going to have this year. No. We're going to have Jupiter conjunct Saturn and Jupiter conjunct Pluto and Saturn moving into Aquarius and Jupiter and Saturn coming together. There's a lot of big noise in the sky. But I do like that sextile uh-huh. because they're such unlikely bedfellows, anything in Capricorn with anything in Pisces. It's nice to think of them working together. And Jupiter and Neptune had, what did we have? Did we have a square between them just last year, I think, when Jupiter was in Sagittarius? Yeah. And we had to really get clear about what was real and what kind of dream we all wanted to dream together on a personal level, what was important to us. So Jupiter coming into the picture and making a sextile now to Neptune says, well, here's our opportunity. We learned a lot about what we wanted to create in the world. And here's our opportunity to do something about that. Jupiter is in Capricorn. It's a much more practical sign than Sagittarius. If you're thinking on a political level, this might be a year where you want to get involved in some kind of activism, for instance. That's a good expression of Capricorn energy because it's very organized towards a Neptunian goal. I like that example. Yeah. And if it were something in your business, it's similar. It's all great to have beautiful ideas about things you want to create, but unless you have a plan and you're willing to roll up your sleeves and have the courage, the optimism, it's in difficult times, which we have frankly had in the last year with Saturn-Pluto, it's really easy to lose hope, to lose the sense that there is something to fight for. Yeah, I'll often pause and think, was this exactly the world I expected to be living in mm-hmm. <laughs> at this point? Not completely in all ways. Life has thrown us some curveballs. Yeah. Jupiter is the planet that says, why not hope? Why not roll the dice in the direction of the thing that you would like to see expressed in the world, which is the Neptune? Right. The sextile always means it's a choice. It's an opportunity. It's an opportunity, and you can take it or not. Yeah. The world will not come to an end if you don't choose to show hope and optimism in the direction of something important to you. Mm -hmm. But if you do, your life gets a lot brighter with a sextile. If something knocks on your door, you have to open the door. (laughs) I am the one who knocks. Nice. But complicating all of this this week. Were you saying something about Mercury going retrograde? Yeah, on February 16th. Uh Uh-oh. We talked quite a lot about Mercury going into Pisces last week. And this is more of the same. Yeah. If an astrologer wanted to concoct, let's say, the worst possible Mercury scenario in a chart, (laughs) it would be Mercury in Pisces retrograde. And possibly we'd put it in the 12th house of the chart because Mercury, again, very logical, very analytical. Wants to express itself and communicate. Yeah. Pisces can do all that, but does it in a more oblique way Hmm. and through images and through music and art. It's indirect in its approach. And then you put it retrograde and you get an extra layer of all of that. Mm -hmm. Because Mercury's retrograde times are the good times for pausing, slowing down, taking a look at whatever projects. I don't know, in our house at any given time, we've got a dozen unfinished projects. Yeah. And Mercury's retrograde dives are the good times to take a look around and say, okay, well, maybe instead of starting something new, I should finish 
the last 5% of six or seven of these projects that I have going on. The retrograde is always a good time to do things that begin with the letters R-E, right? Mm -hmm. Review, reevaluate, rethink, redo. Restrain. Restrain. <laughs> Reassess. Regret. <laughs> Nah, let's not regret. Let's not no, yeah, regret. <laughs> yes. The shadow period, and we talked about this in an episode that Jen might be able to recall for you off the top of her head. Episode three, Alexa, play Love the One You're With. I'm gobsmacked that you can do that <laughs> again and again. Gobsmacked is such a great word. Isn't it a good word? Yeah. So we talked about the shadow period then, so you might want to re-listen to that episode, but the shadow actually began on February 3rd, just about the time Mercury was moving into Pisces. So okay. then it will turn direct on March 9th, and the shadow period ends on March 30th. So we have an exceptionally long Mercury in Pisces transit. Usually Mercury will be in a sign for about three weeks, and it's in Pisces for 10 weeks because of this retrograde. Okay. What's interesting is all of Mercury's retrograde periods this year are in water signs. This one's in Pisces. Between June 18th and July 12th, Mercury will be retrograding Cancer. And between October 14th and November 3rd, it'll be retrograde in Scorpio. Well, the last Mercury retrograde was a rough one for a lot of people. And it's fair to say Pisces can be a pretty emotional energy. And I read something recently that I really liked, which is that if you're feeling like you want to ground yourself or you're feeling out to sea or adrift, I heard a really useful idea. Okay. Which is... Look around yourself and pick out five things you can see, four things you can touch, three things you can hear, two things you can smell, and one thing you can taste. And that will help ground you into the present moment. That's really good advice. Do you like that? Yeah, because especially when you say out to sea, there's no better description of Mercury in Pisces. Yeah. And it can lose its way a little bit. We can lose our way a little bit of Mercury in Pisces times. Because the beauty of things in Pisces is we just go with them, we float along, we don't have a real focused direction. But the difficult part of that is we can get lost. Right. Yeah, I like that idea. Yeah. So Mercury being retrograde in water signs this year, I think, specifically tells us to check in with our emotional self. All of the signs are emotional in their way. That's a good point. The element will tell us how you cope with the feelings mm. and how you tend to live with them. Water signs really get immersed in them, and it's hard for them to separate themselves from others. Yeah. Mercury retrograde periods this year, yeah, there's always the good advice, too, about finishing old things that have been started double-checking before you sign any paperwork, all of that. I mean, that's all good advice. Mm -hmm. But what this specifically addresses is the water realm, the realm of our senses and how we cope with our emotions, having good boundaries, good self-care during this year. Yeah, Because there has been so much Capricorn, so much of the earth element, has really been accentuated this year. And it says, okay, just on a day-to-day -day practical basis, let me get a bunch of stuff done. A lot of striving. And the water signs work differently. Right. They say it's not just about what you're accomplishing on the outside. And I think that's what the North Node going through cancer has been telling us for a year and a half as well. Mm -hmm. It's not just about what's going on on a practical level. Remember that 
we have an emotional side as well, an intuitive side. There is a whole lot to life that doesn't show up in a way that is easy to perceive with the senses. And that's the realm of intuition and instinct and emotion. Right. It's like when you walk into a house, I love to go to open houses. You do? Oh, God, I love it. (laughs) And you go in and now it's not so much the case because now people will bring in a team, you know, that military band on the Mars. They'll deploy a whole (laughs) decorating team to a house to make it look exactly like every other house that's on HGTV. And bake some cookies. But it used to be you go into a house, you could get a really strong vibe. Or I could, maybe because I have Venus in Cancer. Mm -hmm. So if you have planets in water signs, they tend to be very intuitive. So you can walk into a house and you get a feeling about how people have felt in that house. Your spidey senses tingle. Yeah, your spidey senses, for sure. Yes. So Mercury retrograde, let's just say this is apt to be a particularly Mercury retrograde-ish Mercury retrograde. And it's not going to be a great time for forward motion. I see. And that'll be frustrating because we have this last quarter moon that really wants to get stuff done and move forward. We still have lots of planets in Capricorn, including Mars, that are going to be wanting to get things done. Okay. So I guess all I can say about this is it goes back to something I think we said last week, which is have your goals, but don't get too attached to the process. Yeah, because when you're feeling lost at sea, what you can do is focus on a fixed point. Yeah. Right? That's what helps. I think that's very good, Jen. There you have it. It's quite a week. Quite a week. There's a lot happening. We really have a lot coming up. Well, is that everything that we wanted to go over? We were going to mention one thing. Yes. Which is that if people are enjoying the podcast and they want to help support the podcast, you can go to bigskyastrology.com forward slash podcast and throw in five bucks, throw in a buck, throw in whatever you can afford. Look for the adorable little icon, if I do say so myself, in the right sidebar (laughs) that says support your local podcasters. (laughs) Very cute little Victorian depictions of me and Jen over there looking pathetic. (laughs) And yeah, if you can kick in a few bucks. Although I don't think I've worn a dress since I was about five. So I wore a dress when I guess I was going to some function, some state function, some wedding or something. And I felt weird in a dress. I felt kind of naked. Where are my pants? (laughs) So anyway, that's us in our little frocks there. So yeah, if you want to kick in a little bit of money, you know, as little as a dollar, as much as, you know. You want as much as you want. Whatever you want to do, we'll take it. Thank you. With our thanks. We would really appreciate it. Absolutely. And that will help us keep this coming to you. And, And we really do Thank you for listening to the podcast. If you like what you're hearing, be sure to subscribe. And when I say that, I mean, if you're listening on iTunes, if you're listening on Stitcher, if you're listening on Google Play, all of these places, we'll give you a little button. You click on that to subscribe, and then we will automatically show up every Monday morning in your podcasting feed. You can read show notes and full transcripts of our episodes and leave your comments about the episode at the website. You just go to bigskyastropod.com. That'll take you right to the correct page on my website. And join us again bright and early next Monday. Until then, keep your feet on the ground and your eyes on the stars. 
Thank you for listening. To learn more about April Elliott Kent, please check out her website, BigSkyAstrology.com, where you can sign up for her newsletter, read her thought-provoking weekly essays, purchase her books, sign up for a personal astrology reading, and more. That's all for today. If you like what you're listening to, please take a moment to rate and review this podcast and hit subscribe to stay current with new episodes. You can follow Big Sky Astrology on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Big Sky Astrology. Thanks again for joining us, and we'll catch you next time. Thank you.